This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, December 20th, and this is Season 6, Episode 17 of the Four Stars First Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Rick. Hello. Tommy. What up, what up? And Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Well, I want to break the ice today, and we are recording live here at the Atlantic, so uh, hopefully this is good sound quality for you and a bit more conversational. I We certainly enjoy it, and we hope you do too. Uh, mm-hmm. But I want to point out that we are um, we're not going to be recording next Monday, so this will be our last episode until Wednesday the 29th. We're going to have our next episode a little bit late. So we're Merry gonna, Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, everybody have a nice holiday <laughs> period. And crazy Kwanzaa. <laughs> have a fun boxing day, and we'll be back on t- after the Tuesday match. Uh, we'll come back the next day and uh, cover everything that happened. So. Uh, d- definitely stick with us and uh, just expect our episode late after the holiday. And everybody, um, don't go too hard on Christmas. Make sure you actually get your butts out here for Boxing Day because we'll all be here probably at the pub on Sunday. So yeah, it should, should be a opening. fun turnout. And so. anybody in Houston, make sure you wake up. <laughs> oh, well, I'll be in Houston visiting my parents. So if you're Houston Spurs, you might see me. Well, my my, my dialysis has actually been switched to Sunday. But fuck it, I'm coming to the ball. There we go. <laughs> it's Boxing Day. It's, it, some things are more important. Um, but I want to break the ice. Uh, so something happened, to, uh, I think, yesterday to, into today. It kind of came out in the news. And we got a good question from Suge on it. So loyal listener Suge asks us, uh, concerning ESL, which camp are you in? The, oh, oh no, we lost one, chan- or one chance of getting a trophy. Or tr- I'm sorry, one chance of getting silverware, or the glad to be out of this garbage tournament, and he's he's in the latter camp. Um, but let's start with uh, Tommy first. So I'm going to reiterate my thoughts from last week, um, since Lucas and Rick weren't on. But I'm perfectly okay with this. I'm usually in the camp of I want a trophy because I want these players to experience winning a trophy, and hopefully this will progress on other things. Unfortunately, that ship has sailed. So the other issue is when we played, what, Ren, Vitesse, and some other teams, we, us, or Spurs playing a scrub squad of youth and second tier, or second teamers, it's been ugly. And any, so because of that, any time we need to win, we have one, but, or we, when we did win, it's because it's for the, the best first team. We have no depth either, and might as well push for fourth. Um, and things are looking brighter now with Conte. Like, everybody's picking up the pace and responding well. So, rather focus on that. Well, and just to clarify, because we never really said exactly what happened. So, with the Ren match, UEFA finally made the decision. And they awarded Ren a 3-0 victory over us, essentially eliminating us from the tournament. So, we don't have to play that match. Uh, but we're effectively eliminated. So it is kind of a uh, uh, we're out of it without having to, to, to lo- actually lose a match in, in person. So we're kind of off the hook in that regard. Uh, uh, I think, Rick, you were next. Yeah, I, I actually woke up at 4 a.m., uh, saw the news, and went back to sleep with a big smile on my face. 
Um, the reason for that is, is we're essentially a new team with a new manager, and we don't have the squad for European football as well as league football as well as uh, cup football. We just don't have the squad for it. Um, we don't have the depth. Um, so this competition would, would basically would have just affected every other competition we're in. So I, I'm, and it's uh, the third tier European competition. I just don't give a crap. I'm glad we're out. Well, and the, you don't have all that travel that comes with yeah, it, too. Yeah, the travel, yeah. And we're going to have those three games that we miss. It's going to create future congestion as well. So yeah. we're probably going to be playing multiple games, at least two games a week for the rest of the year. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited to be out of this. Um, I think Tommy's point there with like the fixture congestion that's coming up is really important. Um, and, I mean, to a thing that we've all kind of said in the past, we've had that – there's been that um, – almost like a theme where we like to think that we can use these games for guys that could maybe make a case for their first, uh, like for the starting 11 and stuff like that. Like we've seen in Europa in the past with guys like Lamella that got their start and their foothold through the team, through Europa, even Harry Kane, Harry Winks, guys that pretty much got all of their starting games in that Europa environment. And that's Europa, not even the Europa Conference League. But we, a lot of us kept thinking this year that we would see at least someone be able to, whether it be Doherty or... Uh, Scarlet, but even Scarlet's young, um, or guys like uh, that might be able to get their use these games to actually boost themselves uh, and make a case for themselves as to why they should be in the starting eleven. We haven't seen any of that throughout this tournament. We've had no cases for any guy that's been a game where we're like, "Wow, that guy really stepped up today and looks like he wants to make a spot for himself." Or we, it, these games have been so even since the like, the very first one when we played those the. Uh, home and away set and yeah in Portugal like we've just seen these games be absolute shit shows and it's it's so nice to be rid of and in the question it was even mentioned that like that's our best chance as a trophy I don't think it actually is if you look at the league cup we have that on Wednesday we win that that's just two more wins is all we need we win we win against West Ham we have to win two games and one of them's not going to be City because they're already out so I think the league cup is a realistic that could be our realistic shot as about our best trophy and well, I mean, and that's something that we would all feel proud to have won, too, by the way. I really think up depending on how the draw goes. Cause yeah, you never any, know. Yeah, you, anything can happen there. But I, I just, yeah, I, I really wouldn't feel like this was even a, a trophy to be proud of. It's some, it's some Mickey Mouse Cup that none of us ever wanted to be in. The only reason we were kind of excited to be in it was because by winning it, we finished above Arsenal on the last day last year. Other than that, I'm like, this has been a nightmare, and I'm so done, or happy to be done with it. Well, just, just to mention that we got Morecambe. At home in the FA Cup, of, you know, in the third round. So we're going to progress to the, thir- the th- in the third yeah. round anyway. Yeah. So, so no, I, I I don't care about this t- tournament. I don't. I, and, and and basically with our squad, when you when you rotate more than sort of five of our first team players, we're going to lose. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter who we play. Well, and, and what do we get out of that trophy? We we qualify for Europa League automatically. I mean, which, we're, we, which we, we should can, be able yeah, to we do, can do anyway. that. On, we're on target to do that anyway. So yeah. let's hope to yeah. finish top four, and, and we won't have to worry Champions about this League. silly competition ever again. Hopefully, yeah. So I, I think we're all in agreement there at this stage, despite where we may have been at the beginning of the season, where it was another trophy opportunity. But that time has passed, and, and give Conte his time to. To when he's out of European competitions, he's at his uh, best. Well, just one last thing. Um, Tottenham are going to uh, are actually 
they're not appealing the decision, but they're they're going to take. It seems like they're going to take uh, UEFA to court for compensation for this, because if you think about it, Tottenham obeyed UK law to not play this game, but UEFA are are you know um, not they're condemning us for, and criticising us for missing a game that was against UK law. So we were stuck between a rock and a hard place. What can we do? We can't break UK law. So we're effectively breaking UEFA laws. So it seems like they're going to appeal and get compensation out of this. Well, and, and there is the lost money and revenue of not having that's matches. What they, that's what they're appealing. Piddly compared to, say, Champions League, but it's still money. But, but you, know, you know Daniel Levy. If he can get a million out of them, he'll <laughs> yeah, get a million yeah, out of them. Exactly. <laughs> and these lawyers are already on, on retainer anyways, yeah. so yeah, they'll get, he'll get his money's worth. Well, great conversation there, and let's move it along. So, the, um, obviously, uh, Leicester this past Thursday was, again, postponed, so that was our third consecutive postponed Premier League match. Um, or, I'm sorry, third consecutive postponed match and, and uh, third overall Premier League match postponed. Um, yeah, so, it puts us uh, uh, behind a lot of the other teams right now, but, um, but where we're at in the table, that's actually probably a, a – a, we have a lot of uh, room to grow grow on these teams when we do play these matches if it's uh, if it works out in a favorable schedule for us which is the real tricky part as Tommy pointed out earlier well, um, well these games are probably going to be scheduled for January and February they, they can't be scheduled over Christmas there's just no way so you're looking at uh, the early FA Cup game um, in early January and there's usually some space mid-January where we can play a midweek game now that we're out of this UEFA Conference League bollocks. Yeah, so that's a good opportunity to make them up there, and it might impact our FA Cup uh, run. But um, but I think the Premier League run is probably more important than that 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 point anyway. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but we don't have that match to talk about. But we have a doozy of a match to talk about with this uh, Liverpool match uh, that happened yesterday. And uh, yeah, I think most of us came into this thinking that. This was we're almost sure to lose, or, or or the best that we could hope for is having like a scrape out a point somehow. No, I thought we were going to lose, <laughs> but I I, I I picked a loss for this one. I think. Oh, I, me too. I think everybody here. I think everybody here did. Go ahead, Tommy. Actually, side note. Um, so in our chat for predict for uh, predictions, Austin predicted everything correctly, score and scores, and Rick actually uh, he got. The score and one score right, so I was actually very surprised. I thought we were going to win. <laughs> I told Tommy that the night before. I thought we were going to win. Um, uh, well, I did predict a three 0 win with a Delhi Alley, a Delhi Alley hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had all of those opportunities. He probably could have had a hat trick himself. <laughs> he could have done, yeah. it wasn't wasn't too far off. <laughs> well, and that might be a good place to go into our first question since we brought up Delhi Alley, um, and we got a question from uh, uh, Jeremy Cohn, and he asked, "It's." I uh, ice cream cone on uh, Twitter. Clever. Um, he he asks, uh, "Does a performance like that from Delhi make us more likely to keep him with all the transfer rumors out there? Uh, do you think playing him out on the wing and letting him uh, run behind could make the difference?" So we did see a performance out of Delhi, but uh, what did you guys think of it? No. Simple. No. Tommy. I mean, I'll just say this: I don't think he's lacking confidence right now. It's. 
the actual execution application of what he's doing. Um, for me, the other issue is he's a homegrown player. So if we're going to ship, like, ideally if we can ship him to Newcastle, because A, if we did loan, you know, he can finally get his, or actually be in form again potentially because he would be their best player. A lot of, th- a lot of play would go through him. B, if they get relegated, he comes back to us, you know, whatever. But if he does well, and we, he could be good for next year. But the other issue is if we sell him, they would probably be the highest bidder because they need reinforcements. But since we are so low on English players, who are we going to replace for that? Okay, Rick, who's the, who's the guy? Right. Uh, the homegrown issue only applies when you want a full 25-man squad, okay? We right. don't have 25 first-team players. We don't. Even with a full English contingent. So even if we got rid of one English player... It really we still have to get rid of a foreigner, though. Yeah, yeah, but we don't have. I can think of a few. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't have twenty-five players. I know, but 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 anyway. Base, so and we'll, so if we're playing with twenty-three or twenty-two, it makes no difference. I get that, but here's the, here's the rub. So with and we'll get to this for the halftime segment for Tommy's back page update. But what it is is that with all these potential rumors flying around, none of these rumors have us buying any English players. So. There's going to be so I mean what and the rumor or why did Conte come here because because Paratici probably reassured him that Levy would back him so I mean something's got to give it's either Deli Ali staying or we're buying or and we're buying some foreigners which is I'm more inclined to believe well I, I think from like uh, from at least like a little bit of a tactical perspective yesterday I think. The way Delhi played yesterday actually opens up some doors for him to get a lot more minutes for us. Um, I think watching him play, yes, the finishing is something that is. I think it's just a matter of getting him back out there. I think I don't think it's a confidence thing. The only one where I would say maybe was a confidence thing was the one where he looked to go down um, when he got played in that ball it was right before uh, Liverpool scored on the counter, where he went down and he was looking for the contact instead of actually just trying to take the one touch and put it past Allison, which is what we saw him do. Um, when we played Chelsea a few years ago at the bridge and Dyer hit that long ping ball over the top. Delhi took it one touch, bam, off the post and in. Like That type of Delhi is something that we'll see if he's able to get more minutes. But like the rest, like the chances and stuff that he missed are stuff that that's just going to come back with time. I think the way where he, he's able to play when we're able to get the ball forward with other options – like even Winks, who I'm sure Rick is itching to talk about, but Winks had Winks had a lot of forward passes yesterday, which is not something we usually see from him. And then you had Ndombele with him, who's someone that was able to carry the ball forward and actually get the ball for or play balls through in creative ways, which allowed Delhi to free up. And he was running all over the place. He was great defensively. He was. I would love to see what his heat map looked like. But Delhi, I thought played. Like if he can play in that role, I, I could see there being an absolute case for keeping him. But that kind of gets into that weird conversation where we're always it's it's one of those tricky things what Spurs always do is we always keep that player for that one season too long if we do get some kind of lucrative bid or something in for him in January I feel like we have to take it because of how many times we've seen us wait that transfer window too long and we end up forcing the guy to stay an extra year and we end up losing a ton of potential money that could have been spent elsewhere so I 
the way he played yesterday, I think there's an absolute case for him actually not only staying, but becoming like an integral part of our midfield for the spring. Again, I also don't want to jump the horn because it is a game, but it's, it's not like we'll need to see it on a regular basis. But, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that same midfield roll out against Crystal Palace and see if it works again. Yeah, well, and let's talk about that midfield a little bit, and I do think we have to get into to Winks as well. And we do have a question that talks that asks about the midfield, um, and and I want to touch on um, Winks because it, Winks specifically in this midfield because listening to a lot of the English press, listening to other podcasts, seeing what's out there on Twitter right now, people are very high on this Winks performance, and uh, um, and. It, it, we're really getting the sense that people are like, "Wow, there's a player there that we didn't realize that we had." And I, and I don't know if we're jump if people are jumping the gun a little bit just because of one performance. But let's let's tackle Shub's question as we talk about Winks and the rest of the midfield. So Shub's asks us, uh, "Not sure how many of our midfield choice uh, was due to COVID. Can you see us trotting out this midfield three again, given how few sides play a high line in the manner Liverpool do?" And I think that really does go to the wing situation, uh, Tommy. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost certain this was only played out, or this was lined up due to circumstance. No, I. I mean, Oliver Skip came on eventually, but I mean, he's more or less a cemented starter. So, I mean, Harry Winks. We there is a big enough sample size to know what his range is. We know that he could be really good and really bad, but. He's like, as we saw yesterday, I mean, he had his hand in both goals. He started the first goal, the second goal, he had that great assist. Fair enough. He's not my MVP, though, but that's a whole other story. But I did, did he play really well? Of course he did. But my issue is he's too inconsistent. I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt to see what he else he has to offer under Conte because I do trust Conte. But... The fact that everybody's still holding him, it's like, oh, this is what Winks is capable of. I'm like, yeah, but like I said before, he's been too inconsistent. He's been doing a lot of backwards passing. Um, he's just – it's a lot of plays that he, he has had in the past has been dull. Like, yeah, people always talk about that, what, great Real Madrid game. But, yeah, that was a few years ago, you know. And, the, like, was was that his last great game and before Liverpool? I'm like – I mean, could be. But I'm like – if you if I, if people want people that have hope and want me to have renewed hope in him, he's got to string along like ten plus successive games of performing like a seven out of ten at least. Rick, um, the way I look at it, um, he played well. He played well in a system that suited him, playing deep um, when we're defending most of the game and hitting Liverpool on the break. But Liverpool had a central midfield that contained an 18-year-old and James Milner, a 35-year-old. Did we dominate the midfield with Winks? No. Now, if they had their front-line midfield against us, Winks would not have had that good a game. Um, He played well. He did some good things. The assist I argue with because... um, Basically, Becker screwed it up and 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 some scored. He still threaded the needle with a great pass, though. No, but it went straight to the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper screwed it up. It didn't go straight to Son. 
it went to the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper screwed it up. So it wasn't that great of an assist. Um, it actually technically wasn't even an assist because no. Allison touched it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't so, think he was awarded it. Uh, uh, he is not a starting 11 central midfielder for us. He's not a top four starting 11 midfielder yet. Maybe in the future, but not now. Well, I would say even right now, just based on what I've seen, he's not a guy to take us forward, though. No. What I do want to bring up just real fast, and I'll let Lucas tackle this first, is what Conte seems to like in players is players that can do one specific job that he wants. And he's clearly wanted one specific job out of this match out of Winks. Um, and Winks actually did that job pretty well this match. Uh, um, so uh, that, that kind of says to me more so than I thought four weeks ago. Um, maybe there is a role on the team for him as a role player that, like, uh, I, we're gonna, you're going to train in this one job that I expect out of you, and it is when we're playing a team that's going to be pressing us hard, and and we, we're going to have you in there to because to, we're bypassing that midfield, and we just want a guy who's going to do some quick passes and get it out to the those wing backs fast. Or uh, or occasionally slot slot one through up up the field because we're just trying to get the ball over their heads um, as quickly as possible and that's our, our, our the the counter which obviously Klopp uh, th- wasn't very happy about but it's a it's a good strategy for a high press system uh, Lucas well yeah I think well that that's what, the one thing we know about Conti is that's the way he operates his teams is it is a system in terms of each each guy on the eleven has to do their role. And it's like it might not be the most important. Your ball, your your role might just be, I'm recycle guy. I collect the ball in the midfield, recycle it out to my fullbacks quick, or my job is to hit long diagonals or something. Like each guy might have a job, but if all eleven actually buy in and do it, it clicks and it works. So there might be a future for Winks in the sense, like you mentioned, that like if if he's able to be put in a game where he's got a specific role, but I don't think the thing with him is. I think when you have somebody like Skip that can also, we've seen Skip is capable of carrying or uh, making those forward passes as well to about the same level that we've seen Winks do it. But Skip gives us a lot more defensive security than Winks does. Winks can be very suspect defensively. So I think like Skip would be someone that would immediately come in. I, I think Skip, it's Skip's job to lose over someone like Winks. I think. To answer the question, I think yesterday was probably a lot to do with COVID and who was able to train. Because that's something that we've also not given ourselves enough credit for with yesterday's result is Liverpool's been playing football this whole time. Liverpool's been playing games and training and the rest of us have, like, we've been just, like, quarantining. We've got a couple guys that have been out on the training pitch. But, like, it's, so I I think yesterday was probably, the midfield selection was probably 90% chosen because of what we had to work with COVID-wise. Um, but looks like Rick wants to jump in here about Skip real quick. Um, not about Skip, about Winks. Winks is very opposition-dependent, um, meaning you can play him in certain games, but certainly not in others. I'll give you the example. We can play him against Liverpool, who play a high line, uh, are going to dominate the ball, and he can uh, play deep and, and play forward passes. Playing against West Ham on Wednesday, no chance. They are going to be all over him. They are going to smother him. They're going to bully him. They're going to push him over. Uh, it, it will be night and day. 
he he will not be able to do anything like he did against Liverpool against West Ham, and and that's the problem with Winks. It's very opposition dependent. Whereas you want a first team eleven midfielder that can play against anybody, and you can rely on them. Yeah. And we just can't rely on Winks against every opposition. We just can't. He's certainly not first team, uh, but. I'm wondering if Conte's finding uh, uh, that he, this might be a player. He's English. I can keep him around. He seems like he wants to be here as long as he's going to get some minutes. Um, may, maybe there is this just this small role that I didn't think was there, but maybe Conte's finding, or maybe he's just buying himself time until he can buy the players he really wants, and that's probably the more likely answer. Uh, but um, but we got to at least to see a little something good out of Skip in this match. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the, um, how this game played out as far as potential red cards and red cards. Uh, so there was a lot of plays that uh, – there was first the Harry Kane uh, slide tackle of – it was Robertson, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it should have been red. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you – see, we're, we're not Liverpool and we're not Arsenal and we're not Chelsea. We, we see the game as, as it should be seen. We can say – we can be negative about our team um, and that tackle should have been referred to VAR should have been reviewed by the referee and he should have been sent off simple as that I mean, look, you cannot argue with what he did um, whether it's because he's England captain whether it's because he's Harry Kane funny you mention that because I was watching match of the day and I forget who the match of the day two host is. Oh, it's, uh, but, yeah. I but it was with him, Tremaine Genus, but Alan Shearer. They're like, Alan Shearer, yeah. But, no, but they said, asked the guy, one of them asked Alan Shearer, like, you think he got a little lucky because he's England captain? Kind of like how you were, and Alan Shearer's like, maybe. Yep. And he just laughs, and, they, he's, and then they just all chuckle. Basically, yeah. I think another thing, too, with it was that it was in, like, the 20-something through whatever minute. I think if that challenge happened in the 60th minute, they maybe have. Yeah, they he, would maybe. At, I think at, because it was early at, and it's Kane, they may have just kind at of. At that given point, it. he hadn't started dishing yeah. up yellow cards. But he was. Yeah, that was. I said it when we were here at the bar. I said immediately, I was like, that's got to be looked at. And when it wasn't, and they just carried on with play, it was like a weight off my shoulders. I couldn't believe that they weren't going to look at it. But to what I would say, though, with these debatable calls is. That game worked itself out exactly how it should have. Each team had a couple that could have gone either way. Like, I mean, they had the penalty. They wanted the penalty shout where uh, it looked like Royale swung through the back of uh, Mane. No, it was uh, oh, it was Jota. Jota. It was yeah, it was Jota. It was like it came. He looked like he came through, even though he was clearly slowing down, looking oh, for the he contact. Was for it. But then you look at the one that happened at the top of the box with Winks, uh, Winks, with Winks, yeah. and he got run through the back of it. They didn't even stop play. Uh, yeah, the commentator. That wasn't even like, yeah, yeah, that wasn't even given as a foul, let yeah. alone like, oh, should it have been a red or a yellow or a pen? It's like no, that they didn't even stop. So there were so many that could have gone either way, and it's like I think that Delhi, like if you gave the, that that one uh, that Royal did. Then, then you would have to give, give the Delhi one as well. The Delhi yeah, they one both as well. stopped and looked for contact. But so there, there were a ton of calls. That and could even have gone. their second goal, where Salah's handballed the ball. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Jesus. Which yeah. none of us know the rule anymore. If that's even a thing, I think they've I don't changed think they do it. Either. I know well, last year that would not have been a goal. They no, but see, I, no, that. but the way I look at it is, I, I don't care whether it's a handball that leads to a goal or an inadvertent handball that leads to a goal. I don't care about that. A handball anywhere on the pitch, apart from in the penalty area, is a free kick. So yeah. why is it in the, in the penalty area? Yeah. Uh, if you handball the fucking ball, it's a free kick. I'm sorry. 
Uh, we had the one a couple years ago where uh, it was after the restart, and Mora got tackled, and like Mora got tackled, fell on the ball. They called the foul on it. Oh yeah. But let the play continue, and Kane scored the goal, but then discounted the goal because Mora fell and it touched his hand when he fell. It's like, so that's what it was then. I don't know if they've tightened up the rule or not, but. I mean, that, that whole game yesterday was so up and down, back and forth, that there was always going to be a bunch of controversial calls. Well, when you have two teams going at it the way we, we in Liverpool did yesterday, it's, there was always going to be a handful of controversial calls, and I think it actually worked itself out the way it should have been. Well, well I, do, I do have to say, um, you know, some of the calls went for us, some of the calls went against us, some of the calls went for Liverpool, and some of the calls went against Liverpool. But overall, the refereeing was awful. Oh, was I mean, it, it doesn't matter which way you look at it and how and how and who got what decision where. It's just overall. I mean, there was one where I think it was um, the royal, the royal when royal got a yellow card for pushing over money. Yeah, I mean, it was the softest fucking free kick you could ever fucking see, and he got and he got a yellow for it. It's just like. There, there seems to be this big disconnect too between the ref on the pitch and VAR, like the VAR ref, because it's, it seems like they're each trying to. The ref on the it seems like the ref on the pitch is just saying, "Well, I'll, I'll let that go, and if it's egregious, like they'll, they'll correct it." And then the VAR ref saying, "Well, well, if he thought it was egregious, he would have called it." And it, it seems like there's this weird disconnect, and things are being called and looked at when they're not, when they shouldn't be, or they're not being when they should have. But I think yesterday was as bad as the refs were. I think each team had plenty of chances to actually go out and see that game out the way that they wanted it to, and neither team did. And I think that's why it's proper proper order that it actually fell to a two-two draw. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to preempt Tommy here and and and, and mention the fact that on match of the day, they actually mentioned the fact that um, a lot of the penalties last weekend were very very soft and the VIL gave the penalties and it looks like they had a meeting you know supposedly and said oh we got to tighten this up and then the following weekend which was this weekend uh, of course when we face Liverpool yeah but the, the VIR was more likely to not give anything because of they being so yeah. lean the previous weekend. Yeah, it it really is like the since VAR's inception, they haven't been able to get the rules the same year in year out. And I realize that they're trying to to work out the best. They they have to it has to play out live so they can figure out what works and what doesn't work. And certainly, it didn't work in the beginning. Um, it's a little bit, little bit smoother now than it was when they first started with the VAR, but it still has some serious problems. Yeah, but, it's still inconsistently consistent. Yeah, well, and I th- again, and I think the big thing for me though is like you can talk about refereeing until the cows come home, but like at the end of the day, you have I counted like five sitters that we had. We could have been up three or four nil by thirty minutes yesterday. And when you play a team like Liverpool and you don't put those chances away, like they were always going to score. When they scored that equalizer to make it 1-1, every one of us looked at each other like, well, there it is. You knew it was coming. I mean, we had the one where Kane played it to Son, and we've seen Kane make that pass to Son a thousand times on the break, including against Liverpool when we did it against Wembley. At at least 37 times. Yeah, well, we've seen seen him do it so many times, and he just played it too late, and Son couldn't get the goal, and then Son had the one where he plays it across to Delhi, and Delhi couldn't finish it, and then you have the one where uh, it was... uh, 
was the other one that Sun was through at the very end and like couldn't get it at the very uh, like in the near post and we had it was the other one uh, the one where um, Kane had the header uh, off the corner and was missed it just under the bar from two yards out it's and, the, like, and the one where oh, De- uh, the one where yeah. Delhi squared it to Kane yeah exa- exactly yeah. and Delhi miss hits it and when Delhi yeah. probably actually could have just played it himself yeah. yeah it's so we had so many chances that we, we could have walked away with well, well, four or five, six of those well, being goals. Well, let's talk about um, uh, the Conte effect because this is the beauty of having a good manager. Well, I had heard he, somewhere too that the, the XG from yesterday oh, was, yeah. was what like the XG was for like the last month under Nuno. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the beauty of having a good manager because um, he knew the way Liverpool were going to play. So he set us up um, to play on the counter-attack, knowing they would play a high line, knowing that we would we have you know a couple of really fast players, and he actually set us up to win that game. I mean, it was only the poor execution of the players that didn't win us the game. It wasn't the management; it was the players. Um, Conte. It's the beauty of having a world-class manager. I, I will add the caveat that Allison had a pretty good game too, uh, stopping some of those shots. Oh, but the Delhi one was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. very. But then he gave us one too. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, nine times out of ten, Delhi scores that goal. I mean, it was only because Allison saved it basically. Yeah, um, it was going in the corner, and Allison saved it. I agree. But the Sun one, uh, the Kane two. There's no way he should have saved those. Yeah, yeah, and and certainly we should have had those. But but he put together a pretty good performance with a lot of our shots too, and they deserve he deserves a little bit of credit there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Klopp. So Klopp was obviously complaining after the match that we were doing this over the top method. Like he was whining about it, like uh, it, like it's not a valid way of playing or something like that. Were you guys irritated by this whole interview? Well, well I actually told you earlier. I actually saw um, you know, Facebook memes, you know, who can believe them? But I saw a stat that someone posted of long balls in the game. And we actually played 57 long balls in the game and Liverpool played 60. So Klopp is talking <laughs> out of his ass. <laughs> well, and hey, and that's actually something I want to talk about too with us is that's something that I was really proud of yesterday is what, again, back to this Conti effect and what he's gotten out of some of these defenders is I thought Ben Davis yesterday was phenomenal. I thought Dyer was phenomenal. Sanchez had some iffy moments of defending that but he scared the crap out of me. But he also had a couple of great, great defensive blocks and recoveries and – even Sanchez was one of the ones that played like an awesome long ball over the top too. So if Dyer and Sanchez want to be pinging these long balls, both trying to fill in Toby's, like the Toby role, like I'm more than happy to see it because they looked great doing it. Well, it's, it's what Anthony said to me earlier. Um, when you're playing against a team that's got a high line who like to press, the long ball over the top is the way to counter it. Yeah. It's, it's just the way it is. And so to answer Anthony's question, though, like, did that interview by Klopp, like, no, it, that's just Klopp bitching about nonsense, and which is something he does. He's one of the best managers in the world, but that is a thing that he does is he likes to bitch about stuff in post-match pressers. But the, the big thing is it's like that to act like that's not a worthy way of football, it's like it doesn't matter what it is. If you don't beat it, then don't bitch about it. So if it beats you, like, nobody's excited to go play Burnley where their only play is lump it up to Chris Wood and see what happens. But when it beats you, it's like, 
fair play. We knew it was coming, and they did it. So that's how that's how football works. So either beat it or be better than it or, or shut, shut your mouth. Yeah, shut your mouth. <laughs> it's that's that's just a Klopp interview being Klopp. You know, it's not yeah. Worth my my, time. my opinion is pretty much the same thing. I'm like, I don't know why he. I mean, yeah, he's probably mad because they didn't win or whatever. But for me, my opinion is the same thing. Um, like when Jose Mourinho was bitching about us that where actually where parking the bus originated, we like under Marniol, we parked the bus under Chelsea against Chelsea and we beat them, or I think we might have tied them. And then you know, so be it. Um, or another example like AVB, we had the highest point total ever in the Premier League at the time, like seventy-two points. Um, in what tw- the twelve thirteen season, nobody cared. Like Bale was doing great, and we were lo- like we looked fine. I mean, yeah, we didn't play great football, but we got to fifth place, had a shitload of points. The other one um, during uh, the f- start of the season with Jose, uh, what twenty twenty one season, we were doing great first place, but we were counterattacking to score, and people. And I'm like, we're in first place right now. Who the fuck cares? When people sit, like, when people hold that candle to, uh, who's it, Danny Blanche Fire, like, oh, we got to win with the style and flourish. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what? That is the biggest load of shit. You know what? You play to win the game, and whatever way you win, it that's fine. If you bore people to death, that's not my problem. Blame yourself. And I, I'm... I'm going to jump in and say I'm, I'm kind of on Tommy's team here because I, I do recall when we beat Arsenal last year at the Derby, it was like the first game with a couple of couple thousand fans back. That was December, early December, a couple weeks before Christmas, put us at number one in the Premier League with like a week or two to go till Christmas. And no one was really bitching about like Jose's style when we're in first place with a week or two before Christmas. So I get it to an extent, um, but we do. We, you want to see the exciting football, but at the same time, it's like there will always be those games where sometimes it's not going to be exciting. Sometimes you have to switch up your tactic and say, all right, Liverpool's got a stronger squad. Maybe we hit him on the break, or maybe we do even Nuno with week one against that just low block and hope for a bit of a counter, and we nick a 1-0 win against City. It's like So there will be those times, but, yeah, you don't ever want to get used to the whole – like just dreadful just bore you to death football but um yeah so again i think klopp can go pound sand i mean i don't really care what his opinions are about what styles of play suit him well and a good coach can, should be able to switch it up and, and give you a different style yeah. depending on your opponent because that's that's what you and a t- good team needs to be able to adjust and adjust the player personnel and the style of play for for different teams and if you can do that then you can win the league I'll give you the perfect example because um, everybody wants to be Man City. You know, control the ball, control possession, uh, score four goals every game uh, and not concede and look great doing it. But obviously you need high quality players to do that. Um, the, the flip side of that is Leeds. They try and do that and they're third from bottom. Everybody says they play well. Everybody says... But, uh, you know, Bielsa's a great manager and the team looks, you know, great, you know, and whatever. But do they win games? No. Or like with our delays, we, we would score like five goals, but we would yeah. give up four. Uh, or five. To, Rick's, to Rick's point, though, is you, you ask the fans then. Because the, the, the football community loves to praise Leeds for the way they play. Ask Leeds fans right now if they think it's worth it. 
Ask Leeds fans how they feel about their no, their my, style of play. Like, you think Leeds fans are excited that they just put in, they just let in eleven goals in their last two games? <laughs> like, they're probably not. But they look good yeah. doing it. Yeah, but oh, they what an effort they gave. Like, no, they would have rather taken a point from either one of those games and yeah. drawn nil nil in both, and like those Leeds exactly. fans would be happy. I mean, would you would you want to have a low block and pop the bus and 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 draw both of those games nil nil? I think you would have done right now. Yep. Um, so you know it's. It, it's a, it's a toss up between the quality of players that you have, and the quality of um, the opposition to the way you play them. You know, you you can't unless you're Man City, you can't play the same way against the same opposition every time. You just can't do it. When, and I think in this circumstance, Klopp was just pissed off that he was out coached. I think he I, was. Yeah. I, I think he was out coached. He, he had the better personnel, so he 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 just went with what works for them. And I think Conte came in and uh, and uh, with the I, personnel he had and outcoached him and got a draw. I mean, um, it, not it, only did he get a draw, he absolutely bossed him. We should have won that game. Yeah, he, he should have been controlled. We all went into that game thing. We all said, if if you give me a point today, I'll bite your hand off for it. Every one of us had that attitude as we yeah. walked into the pub. We saw the lineup. We're like, God, I would kill for a point today. And on 90 minutes, every one of us was pissed off saying, God damn it, we had that. We should have... Absolutely, he, he, especially after the red which card. Is a, yeah, which is a. But again, that speaks to Conti actually doing a tactical masterclass over Klopp. Which he should. I think he should have been contrite and and grateful for the draw. Yeah. Because we, like you said earlier, we could easily have been three 0 up at half time. We could have easily scored six goals, and may had a player sent off. We could have easily won that game, and it was only certain. You know, our ineptitude in attack, and you know their forceful attack against us that made them draw the game. He should have been contrite. They had no reason to win the game. None. Well, and I think, too, uh, something that just we talked about with that's that Conti effect and that having a world-class manager like Conti is, I, I think that the fact that we walked out of there and we were pissed off that we didn't have that win against Liverpool yesterday, yes, it, it, it does still kind of irk me that we didn't get the three points because that would have been some special day, and I thought we actually deserved it, but... I think the fact that we were all equally just pissed about not having that win speaks levels to as how to how far we've come in like the month and a half or so that we've had Conti. It's Com- compared to how we were playing. Yeah, oh my Nuno, god! If, if it was night and day. with Nuno, I was I was walking into Burnley game saying, "Please don't get smacked today. Please don't get smacked today." Like, well, I, there I, was, was, there I was wasn't no, actually looking forward to the game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's never. Like, and, and so these players have clearly bought in because I, I mean. To take the game to Liverpool in the way that we did yesterday is just that that's something that I wasn't even that wasn't even on my radar of like being a possible thing a couple months ago. And today or yesterday we came in and we were at home and we defended it and we actually took the game to Liverpool, which was I think that spends or I think that sends a really great message as to how far we've come with Conti and that these players are buying in because it's they didn't. They didn't take yesterday as a throwaway free hit. Whatever. They actually took the game, saying we want to win this. We can win this. We're going to go win this. And they almost did. And I, I love that. That's. There's just. There's so much positivity that we can build off from that. And I was just. Even though it was a draw, it definitely had that winning feel to it yesterday. Okay. Uh, one more uh, final question that we're going to do really fast before we go to MVP, LVP. Um, and this comes from uh, the, the, the tweet, tweeter known as Big Bird, AP23871. Um, is PHE hugely overrated? This team took an, uh, a huge step back the day Dembele left. 
And despite the issue at center, issues at center back, uh, it's the midfield that has been absent in so many matches. Winks looked like a superhero out there in comparison. When was the last time PHE had a game like that? And he said never. So he, he's arguing that the Winks performance was good. I know we've already kind of talked about Winks, but um, does this bode w- uh, poorly for, for uh, PHE? P-H. P-H. Um, he's good at what he does. He's not good at what he doesn't do. Um, so he's a very simplistic player. So, you know, put it this way. Do I want him instead of Winks against West Ham on Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, he would be much better in that match. Yeah. He's tougher. Would I want him instead of Winks against Liverpool? No. Okay, uh, let's see, uh, Lucas? Well, it's kind of like a loaded question, but like I think when you ask, like, is Hoybier overrated? Like, no, I, I don't think that's fair to say, and I think we also do need to remember that he's logged more minutes than anybody since Ericsson. Like, it, he was just that guy. Since we signed him, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. just since we signed him, it's been 90 minutes, week in, week out, all competitions. Like, he's been just putting in 90 minutes. So, the guy's got to be exhausted. But at that, that same time... Uh, I don't think this performance yesterday um, reflects it all on, like, would he have been able to do what Winks did yesterday or Winks had a great game and we haven't seen Hoybeer do that. Well, Winks had the opportunity, since Conti's come in, we've been able to have this back line with everyone playing in their best position and you have Ben Davis stepping up, you have uh, Dyer stepping up, and they're both being good ball-carrying center backs, part of this back three, which is something that has allowed our midfield to have a little bit more freedom, whereas since Hoybier has gotten here, his job has been to just cover for our Bush League center backs. That's been his job, is to just try to do whatever you can to make sure that we don't have exposed Dyer and Sanchez back there. But that was in the, when they were in a back four. So it's like now that it, we've, we've seemed to have like found this groove where everyone's comfortable in their back line position and everyone's in their best position, so we don't need Hoiber as much to be that defensive. Now we need that guy that can actually like make the next pass or carry the ball forward. So I, I think that it is fair to say that Hoiber might be the first one out and not have a spot in Conti's future, but I don't think it's fair to throw him under the bus because I think he's done his job since he's been here and been doing exactly what he's been asked to do. Yeah, so... I agree with both of you, but there's another caveat. So, like, we know, like, I think everybody loves Hoyer because he's a guy that's full-on effort, very physical. He can pick out a pass here and there. Um, ideally, in Conte's system, I wish he would be that water carrier, but skips that guy. I don't know if we need really need two water carriers in this current Conte system. Um, and as Lucas said, he did play a shitload of minutes. He even did it... For until last, what, earlier this month. But here's the other caveat. Um, I remember reading an article a few weeks ago on the Spurs website. He was interviewed. He said he was playing at 50%. So, for argument's sake, he could be shit because of that. So, what would would theoretically happen if he was actually at 100%? You know? Jury will still be on that. And, I mean, if and when he becomes 100% and still a Spurs player... I want to see what he's capable of. Um, Final thought, then going to your MVP. Final thought. Um, He actually carried the team under Nuno. Um, The team was 
disinterested, demotivated, uh, very, very underperforming, and and Holberg carried that team completely. Um, so to criticise him is really, really unfair. Uh, he literally carried the team. Um, they were not all on his back. Or is that why he's injured all the time? Because, <laughs> were. because not literally. his back is blown out. Not literally, but he carried the team. He, he was figuratively like, carrying uh, the team. Like, had the back rides yeah. after yeah. Uh, each match. He, he carried the motivation of the team. I would say he actually shared that with Mora. I would say he and Mora were the two yeah. players that looked like they gave a shit. Yeah, and Did everybody they perform else, every week? I don't know, but didn't. they were the two that seemed like they cared. Um, so to criticize him is, is unfair. Um, Your when, MVP. With, with my MVP. Uh, yeah, we're going to switch to MVP. We're going to switch to MVP. No, go with someone else. I need to think about it. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. Uh, mine was Dyer. I thought Dyer was awesome. Um, I love that he's like so comfortable in that role now. And he's not even before Conte got here, I thought he was having a great season under Nuno. But um, now he's got that ball-carrying ability, it seems like, as well. And he's got the confidence to hit some of these long passes over the top. So... I, I loved Dyer yesterday. I thought he was fantastic. He's my MVP. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, I don't disagree with Dyer, but I'm going to give it to uh, the good old Fred. Uh, he, I mean, Liverpool had some decent chances and two goals went in that were not his fault, but he had some vital saves. Um, dude, we could have easily won, but we didn't have the quality, but I think Hugo just, he saved their asses, literally. Uh, Rick? Um <coughs> um, quite unusually, I'm going to go for a MVP combo. There, oh, are two, okay. there are two players that are equally deserving, and I'll tell you the reason why. Um, Liverpool allegedly have the best player in the world right now in Mohamed Salah. Did Mohamed Salah do anything in this game? No, Ben Davies was on him. Ben Davies? Hey, you said his name right. Ben Holy Davis shit. And Sessignon closed And Sessignon. Yeah. Both of them um, shut him down completely. He never had a shot on target. Um, he had a couple of crosses, and that was it. Those two players allegedly shut down the best player in the world right now. And they both deserve to be MVP. Those are two. Those are two names Klopp probably didn't even know before we started the game. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, who and, the hell are these? And, uh, you know, I, the funny thing was, uh, my MVP was going to be Ben Davis, and my honorable mention was going to be Ryan Sessegnon, who yeah. we really haven't really yeah. talked about. We haven't much. said a word about him, but I thought he played great no, yesterday. He, he was well, fantastic. Uh, like no, he, he, he had some good crosses. He was getting into the box. He was combining with people well. I'll, I'll point me And he was doing defensive work. I'll, put, uh, I'll ask you a question. Uh, while watching the game, did you think to yourself, I wish Regulon was playing? At no point did you think that. Well, you, for listeners, he was pointing directly at me, and no, cause if because if you listen to enough of my rants, you know that I don't rate Regulon at all, so I never wish Regulon was playing, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, like, did you, did it you was think that at any point? No. Yep. Didn't because because Sessignon did his role, he got forward, he got back, he defended, he attacked, and at no point did... Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. ask, I'll ask myself the question. <laughs> yeah. At no point did I think I wish Regulon was playing. Yeah. Not because I don't rate Regulon. I, I rate him quite. I rate him higher than you. Yeah. Um, but Sessignon played well enough, but I didn't think that. 
Well, um, so you got mine as well. So let's uh, let's go to LVP and start with Lucas. All right, LVP, and again, this is harsh because I don't want to give it to anyone because I thought everyone had a good shout for. I, I thought everyone put in a really good effort yesterday, but I'm going to give mine to Royale. Um, I, I think Royale sometimes makes me nervous defensively and doesn't give me enough going forward as that wing back. And I just, I think also when you're when you get like a yellow card early as a fullback, it like this isn't somebody that we're playing that's like Norwich where you can get an early card as a fullback and th- that'll be that. But like this is Liverpool, they will expose you for having a yellow early and they will attack you and try and basically put you on a spot. And we we saw a bit of that, so I, I think. Again, it's harsh, but Royale for me was like he's my LVP. Well, and I will give him credit. Like when he got that card, I was like, we just gotta get to halftime with him because he's got to come off because he's got he's at risk. He's going up against Mane the whole match. Like he's at risk for getting that second yellow card big time. And and he kind of got pulled it together, and it, it was pretty solid. And then he drew us the uh, the red card against. Well, the Robertson. only reason the only reason he got that red card because I think Robertson was pissed when on the second goal it looked like. Uh, Royale almost kicked him in the face, so it was like I think that's why he was just had a bit of extra oomph in that challenge against him. Yeah, yes, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Uh, who's your LVP, Tommy? Um, and Domboy. I mean, I he Love had a, a good he, he had a great LVP. assist, but that's pretty much all he did. Yeah, I didn't think he was great. You know, I yeah, one great moment, but you know, and, or people will be like, oh, whoever scored a that goal for us but the, yeah but what else did he do I, and he's in the midfield too so I'm like I, I, I really want the best for him and I hope he does well but sorry you didn't you had one sh- good great moment but that, that was it and this was a great opportunity for him and I agree with you he's my LVP like uh, yeah he did slot one per, uh, like really good ball through through to uh, that eventually uh, became a goal um, as you also got out. demolished off the ball, which led to one of their really good chances. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I, – I agree. He's my LVP. Uh, Rick, who's yours? Um, I'll list everything he did wrong, and then you, and then you can guess who I mean. Sissoko. <laughs> <laughs> he misplaced two assists that should have been assists for goals. He missed two open goals and should have been sent off. Kane. Kane. Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry Kane. Yeah, uh, but there's a, there's a good case there despite the the one goal he did get, only his second Premier League goal this year, I believe. Yeah, but that doesn't make up for the two misses, yeah. the two open goals, and should have been sent off. That's I it. mean, if, he's, if he was sent off, you'd have all been saying he was LVP, and he should have been sent off. That That's easily fair, could have been Roberto Soldado <laughs> as well. <laughs> just say. I haven't seen him miss a wide-open sitter with his head two yards from goal like that since... Anfield yeah. last December, so I was like, "Yeah, he yeah. seems to have a little bit of a knack for that." But that's a good shout. Well, um, great conversation, guys. But we are going long on the half. This is going to be a bit longer of an episode, regardless, since you guys have a few more days to listen to, and we have a lot of matches to talk about. Um, but we are about to go to half. When we come back, we will discuss, uh, preview the the League Cup uh, West Ham match. Boxing Day against Crystal Palace in, in Southampton on Tuesday the 28th. Uh, but first, we have two halftime segments. Uh, we are going to go to Tommy's back page update and Luke's locks. Hey, everyone. I'm Tommy, and this is your back page update. Uh, so what I'm going to do is 
for this segment is just bring up a bunch of players that are rumored to sign, or not to sign, but are rumored to potentially sign for Spurs, whether it be in January or in the summer. Um, and here it goes. So the first one, of course, is, or actually, first one's not, of course, but uh, it's Frank Kessie. He is a midfielder from AC Milan. He's actually very good, very physical. We were actually rumored to be uh, sign him a few years ago, um, and you'll figure out that this might be another lingering rumor that comes up in January like the rest because we are rumored to sign many other players. Um, next one is Dusan Vlahovic. He plays, he's a striker, 21 years old for Fiorentina. He actually scored his 20th goal of the season this or yesterday, which was Sunday. Uh, next up, we have Lorenzo Insigne. He's, at, he's 30 years old. He is a striker for Lazio. It's actually kind of interesting because he is 30 years old, but the other issue is he's five foot four and shorter than me. So my only issue is that A, can he adapt to the physicality? B, he actually had previous experience with our current manager, Antonio Conte, so that is very promising. But I would be interested to see how he would do just because he's very physical, hard worker. So this is definitely what the squad could definitely use. Um, another or the last one I would I have is Nik Nikola Milenkovic. He is a center back for Fiorentina as well. West Ham are also interested in him. Um, and as you all all know, uh, these are all players that it sounds like uh, our director uh, Paratici has looked into because they're all Serie A players. The other biggest uh, footnote is that they're all going to be free agents by the end of the 21-22 season. So they would be free transfers. So if we did make a move for them in January, they would probably cost maybe 15, 20 million at the most. Maybe Vlaovic would be that much just because he's so young. But I would say once January 1st hits, these are definitely the four players you should look out for. I'm Tommy. This is your back page update. And now here's Luke's Locks. All right. Thank you, Tom. Uh, this is Luke's Locks. We got four picks for you here, all on Boxing Day or Stevens Day, if you will. First up, we're going to take Wolves minus a half goal at home versus Watford. Wolves have a they've had a couple of strong games in a row, and most importantly, they have been playing games. Watford are struggling and have had multiple games postponed in a row. So look for Wolves to come out and be all firing while Watford come out a little bit rusty and they are the weaker side away. Take Wolves minus the half goal. Next up, we're going to take our beloved Tottenham Hotspur minus a half goal at home versus Crystal Palace. I think we'll see us play the same 11 or something similar uh, that we saw us play against Liverpool. We're going to try and build on our momentum. Uh, we owe Palace a beating after the one we caught versus them at Selhurst Park in September, so take Spurs minus the half goal. Third, we're going to take West Ham minus half goal at home versus Southampton. West Ham has dropped points in their last two Premier League matches, um, and I think they're catching Saints at home at a pretty good opportunity, and it's going to be a good opportunity for them to right the ship. So take West Ham minus the half goal there. Finally, sounds gross again but we're gonna take Chelsea minus the half goal on the road at Villa Chelsea have dropped points in three of their last four Premier League games uh, and while City and Liverpool keep churning through at the top 
This is a must win for them uh, to try and keep pace with those two. So take Chelsea minus the half goal away at Villa. There's your four free picks of the week. This is Luke's Locks, and let's go get rich, kids. Well, thank you, Tommy, and thank you, Lucas, as always. Great to have those segments. Um, But let's roll into this second half because we have three matches to preview here, and we're going to start with, I think, the one we're probably going to spend the most time on, and this is uh, the League Cup match this this Wednesday. Uh, So we take on West Ham at home. They're currently fifth place in the league, not that that matters there. In the Cup, um, they... uh, They're... Their most recent match was a loss to the Scum. They were postponed this weekend. A draw prior to that loss and a win prior to that. Um, They have uh, Southampton on Boxing Day, the the same as us, so they are going to be looking at a Boxing Day um, match as well. Um, Obviously, Antonio is their biggest goal-scoring threat. Um, We also have to watch out for uh, uh, Bowens and and Declan Rice to create some opportunities there, but... um, this is uh, one of the League Cup matches, so we have to consider the other teams that are still in this competition. So we have Arsenal-Sunderland playing on Tuesday, Brentford-Chelsea on, on Wednesday along with us, Liverpool-Leicester, um, and then, of course, us and West Ham. So this is kind of the end of the competition. Uh, where are you guys at on this uh, League Cup uh, uh, match, Rick? Um, it really doesn't matter that it's a League Cup match. It's a London derby against West Ham. Um, they hate us with a passion, um, so it's going to be a, just a typical game against them. Um, unlike most people, or uh, you know, uh, most of my contemporaries, I don't rate West Ham at all. I think they're just an over-aggressive uh, bunch of folks um, that basically play well when they overpower the, the, the opposition with corners and headers and things like that. They're not good technically. Um, the other thing is Antonio hasn't scored for, I think, eight games or something like that. He'll probably score against us. I was going to say, he hasn't played us in eight yeah, games, so he'll, he'll, he'll right. probably score against us because uh, he usually does. But they are a thuggish kind of team. Um, so, and, and if you look at their recent results, I don't know whether you have them all listed, but they actually haven't been playing well at all. No, they... Uh, um, I mean, they. I think they won one, they've won one in five or something like that. They, they lost uh, to the scum. Uh, they were postponed this it weekend. They looked awful on that game, by the Drew, way. Drew to Burnley, lost to Dynamo, no Zeb, Zeb Greb, who we've also faced in the past, and then they beat Chelsea. So that Chelsea win was their kind of their last yeah, uh, but if you do, strong if you look, performance. Yeah, but if you look at before the Chelsea game, I think they lost the previous two. No, they, uh, they beat Liverpool, did they not? I yeah, I think they, so. They beat yeah. Liverpool at home. Uh, they've been dropping points, basically, oh, when, yeah, when, when they yeah. shouldn't be. Um, we got know. the home draw in this match, though. So to me, again, that to me is the biggest thing, is the fact that it's at home. In because, because, if, because if you look at it, you know, they were way ahead of us, way ahead of us in points in the league. But now, with our, I think it's two games in hand, if we win our two games, we're above them. Um, and that shows our improvement and their uh, decline, basically. Um, I, I just don't rate them. I, I, I really hate the way they play. Um, and I'm hoping that we can match them physically and beat them technically. technically. Uh, Lucas? Well, yeah, we have two games in hand on them, and they're two points above us. Yes. So, but the, th- the thing for me that's my favorite is that like this is the year that is so special for West Ham. Everyone's, everyone's just 
jerking off to West Ham saying, what a year they're having. This is the year of their, like, they're such a special team this year. And here we are the same year saying, this is our worst year ever. Like, shit's bond. It, it's been crazy. We've had Nuno out. We've had a new manager brought in. We've had some of the worst football we've seen. We've gotten pumped by three goals to four separate games. It's like, and yet we're still, if we just win or two. Above yeah, it. we're still technically. Exactly. So it's like, that always makes me happy. But this is the League Cup, and this is where it's, I, I actually think that we're going to have a massive advantage with Conti being at home here. We haven't seen Conti lose yet, touch wood, but we haven't seen him lose in something that isn't, what, like the Murrah game away? Like, other than that, it's like we've taken 10 out of 15 points in the Premier League under him. And I think he understands how I brought this point up earlier that if we win this game and then two more, that's a trophy. Like, this is a quarterfinal and it's West Ham at home. I think our players understand what that means. If you saw like a bit of the social media from the guys after this uh, game yesterday against Liverpool, a lot of the guys were like, yeah, look, this is not what we wanted. We wanted the full result, but big game Wednesday. It seems like everyone in in our camp knows that this is a big game, and I, I think this is a good time to catch West Ham, and West Ham's going to catch us now with Conti. They're not going to be able to pull the crap they've pulled on us on the last couple times we've played, where it's like you're playing an unmotivated team that has no identity, and it, this this is a Conti team that you're going to play. So I don't think it really matters what competition it is. West Ham's in for something that they haven't seen. And like Rick said, Rick thinks they're a thuggish team. I do give them props to an extent that they do take they do try and take it to teams, but if that's what they want to do, if they want to try and take it to us and press and bully us and have all the possession and all that, well, then that's great because if we can counter Liverpool and score a few goals and have 10 freebie chances, I'd love to see what we can do on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, my – I would – I mean, I don't like West Ham and I want us to murder them. But as I said before, we don't have a lot of depth. So I don't think we're going to put out the primo top-tier lineup, but I think it's going to be a mix. Oh, no, I do. I think we'll put out – Well, that's too. your opinion, and yeah. this is mine. So, um, but I think, and the only reason for that is just because we have this fixture con- con- yeah, congestion. We, ha- you know, we got Crystal Palace, we got Southampton, we got Watford on New Year's, and then we got Morecambe, um for the FA Cup. So because of that, it's like Conte's going to have to juggle players resting here and there. So like, say if we get into a big lead on Wednesday, Kane's probably going to sit for like 15 minutes if the ga- if we know the game has been won or whatever. So. My own, so that's my only issue is what kind of squad is Conte going to pull out? I mean, Rick, Rick's opinion differs from mine, of course, but I don't know. It's I know he'll be ready. It's just the other issue is if we're going to play some second teamers, I don't think we're going to play youth, but if we play some second teamers that when Rick, stop shaking your head. <laughs> um, so if, if that happens... How well will the team execute against West Ham? Because one would assume that what I mean, West Ham they have the same fixtures as us until the end of the year. No, they got Europa though. But that's in Jan- or that's in February though. Yeah, so, don't have so, to worry about that. Yeah, so th- they don't have to worry about that now. So because of that, I think they'll they'll probably play, play more of a stronger squad. So we'll see how they match up. Can we outfox them? I think Conte will have the players ready. It's just, yeah, execution. We'll see, I guess. 
So I, in terms of when you ask, like, what kind of squad are we going to play, I, I think we're going to see rotation, but we're going to see it through guys that Conti's already, Conti's already decided that he trusts. So even Matt Doherty, when Doherty plays, when he plays, I'm assuming he's going to play against West Ham. But Doherty's somebody that's been subbed on multiple times under Conti already. Conti's already proven that he apparently rates him or think, thinks that he can go do a specific job, which is fine. But I think we'll see Tanganga. I think we'll see Regulon start. I think we'll see, again, Doherty. But I, I think there's going to be a – we might see Joe Roden, even though we I – would, I think this would be a I, great I would love to, but I don't, I don't know because we've – Conti's yet to pick him in like a real starting situation. So, um, yeah, it, I, I think that guys that we might consider like, oh, well, they're second teamers. Well, under Nuno, they might have been second teamers. These are guys under Conti that he's already kind of decided, I trust them. Again, performance and being clinical is going to be important, but I, I think we, we kind of already have seen what guys he's decided he trusts. Well, in, when we talk about fixture con- congestion, West Ham has that same fixture congestion. Now, they, they um, and I'm not sure whether the postponement was more due to them or Norwich this weekend with COVID, but, but they might not have a lot of players that are out of training now. And most of our players are coming back from our period of isolation. Uh, Liverpool was our bad match for that, and we came out of that looking pretty rosy. Um, so uh, West Ham might not be able to field that great of a squad themselves like uh, depending upon who's available to them and they have the same fixture congestion through the holiday period to worry about as well so I think that is beneficial to us Rick um, if you think West Ham are deliberately going to play a weakened team um, oh, you, Jesus, you're no, delusional no shot, yeah. and Conte must know that um, I'm not saying deliberately. If they have, they may have players that aren't available. We don't really know what medical no, situation is because saying, of COVID. People have confidentiality rights, and we don't know yeah, who you know, has t- it. Tell me, we talking about rotation because of um, fixture congestion. But yeah. for this game, I don't think West Ham would care. They're going to put out the strongest team they can, and we should too. But they also are worried about. Like this is their first uh, even glance at top four for a while, so see, they nah, have to worry. Nah, nah, see, yeah, that, yeah, they, they have to worry about that too. Uh, no, but, no, but they don't us. care. They would they would sacrifice their top four hopes if they could beat us twice within four months. You think they're that petty? They have dudes yes. that got tattoos that's of the year that they beat us twice. I know, but if they we took all points, they we shot, took six that, points. They have guys that got tattoos that's, about the season. That's the fans. Not they the, they not the no, I mean, that's they, how much. They they sold mugs in their team shop, yeah. listing the three games that they beat us in one season. Yeah, it's mugs. They are obsessed with us. It no, but let's creepy. be let's be realist or let's be realistic though. If you were Same, about to make an Arsenal reference, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Arsenal. We would never. We no, would that's, never. That was hard to see. I was wrong. But no, see if uh, West Ham won on Wednesday, and then they uh, progress, and then of course, and then would win the League Cup title. Wouldn't that be more worthwhile than sacrificing their season for that instead? They're not going to get top four. I'm going to say it right now. They are not going to get top four. Um, 
And if they think they are, they're delusional. But they have to be thinking that that's what they should be striving for. Like, yeah, but they look. Shouldn't that be important to them I at this point? I, but they're yeah, not going to get it. If yeah. you're Moyes, though, and you're looking at United just getting a new manager in, you're looking at Spurs with Conte, are you really thinking, like, top four is a... Realistic thing? Yeah, no. Uh, no, there's just... It doesn't seem plausible for no. them. They, uh, they, I, I think they, they kind of get that this is their chance to... Yeah, put they, another one over on us. They want to. They want to be us on Wednesday more than anything else in the world. Yeah. Well, um, there, there's certainly a lot of things to think about with this one, but I think maybe this is a good place to go to predictions on this match. Uh, let's start with Lucas first. I think we went two nil. I think we went two nil. I think no matter what rotation we put out there. I, I believe in us to go put out the clean sheet, and I think our players are bought in enough that we're bought into Conti's method that I I don't really care how much West Ham's up for it. I think we're still going to do it. 2-0. I'm going to say goals go to Lucas and Bergvine. Ooh, Bergvine plays in this one. That would be some rotation. Uh, Let's go with uh, Tommy next. I like the optimism. I'm going to be optimistic with a win as well, but... I'm going to say it's 2-1. Um, the reason I'm going to say 2-1 is because I, I feel like there's going to be some at least some rotation, one way or another. And because of that, we're going to give up a goal. So, like, whether it be Tanganga, Roden playing, and Dyer's anchoring the back line, like, one, I'm not saying Dyer will give up a goal or be responsible for that, but, like, Tanganga, Roden maybe. Or some, some freak thing might happen. Um, goal scores, I mean... Harry, I'm not saying Harry Kane's a lock for goal, but he's definitely a lock for playing because who else do we have? We're not going to throw Scarlett to the deep end like that again for a while. Um, and you know what? I'll go with Bergvine as well because I'd like to see him do well, but also I think this is a game that he, he would be he would play it as well. Okay, uh, and that, that that's interesting. The two people with Bergvine picked. I'm not even sure how much we see him again until he leaves for Ajax, which is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, Rick, who do you have? I'm going I'm to go for a 3-2. Um, and the reason why they're going to get two is because they are extremely aggressive on corners, um, and we are extremely bad defending corners. Um, and that's the way they score. If you look at the, the way they've scored their previous 10 goals or whatever it is, most of them are through set pieces. Um, and Tommy, like I told you, hasn't scored for a while, so he'll probably get a goal. So I'm going to go 3-2. Our scorers are going to be... I, th- I think um, um, the Korean dad is going to be very pissed at Sun, so Sun is going to get two goals. Um, he probably beat it out of him, so that's why he has to respond. <laughs> and I say that partially as a joke and partially Podcast as a joke. Podcast disclaimer. Yeah, because you would know, Tommy, that I think his, his father would be very pissed at him because of the missed opportunities against Liverpool um, so I, th- I think Sun's going to get two and Harry will get one okay uh, I, I do think it's also going to be uh, like we're going to score a lot um, I'm going to say 3-1 um, I do think that we can't keep them all completely off the board but I feel good about this match I feel like Conte knows how to handle a team like West Ham I, I, I feel like Despite whatever slight rotation we're going to do, I think it's we're going to be much more aggressive at this than we think because this is a chance for a trophy. And I think Conte would love to be able to 
um, accomplished what uh, nobody else in the last 11 years has been able to accomplish as uh, as coach of uh, Tottenham Hotspur, and that's win a trophy. Um, 13 years. 13 years. Well, <laughs> and yeah, going on it, 14. Oh, geez, I, I, I miscounted no, you, that. Oh, no, you weren't there for the bad times. So, yeah. Well, most, some yeah, of the bad times. My, my, my whole time has been, <laughs> been these bad times, these lean times. So, Well, I'll, I'll give you an interesting fact, okay? Um, the, the 2010s is the only decade in the last 50, or the last five, 50 years, that Tottenham have not won a trophy. We've won a, a trophy every decade since the 60s. Um, no, we won in the 50s. Thanks for coming on board, Anthony. Actually, you're right, in the 50s. With the push and run. Yeah, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. 2010s is the only decade we've never won a trophy. So, you know, but, but, you know but, but the rival fans that like to banter us and say we, never, we don't win trophies, we've won a trophy. We, we, us and Man United are the only two teams that have done that. Yeah. Well, um, my goal scorers, I think, are going to be uh, – so th- I had 3-1. It's uh, Kane, Son, and Hoybier, I think, will be playing in this one. And he's been, had, a, had a knack this season. Like, I, I mean, I think he has more goals than Harry, or at least well, equal goals than Harry tied, yeah. in the, per- the Premier League. So he, he's had a knack for being in the right place at the right time a couple of times when he's been playing in the midfield. So I could see him getting a lucky one in this one. So that's why I picked him. Uh, but let's move the conversation along. So this is one I'm very excited to talk about also. This is Boxing Day. And um, if you're in Chicago, definitely come out to the Atlantic for Boxing Day. It's always a fun day out. Um, wherever you're watching, enjoy it. I mean, it's. I mean, if I can make it out after dialysis, and you can make it out. Come on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, 100%. It's going to be a long drive from Houston. Yeah, we'll but, see. But it's a it's a worthwhile thing. It, but Boxing Day is always the best, oh, it is. and uh, it's going to be so exciting to take on this Crystal Palace match. Uh, but currently, uh, Crystal Palace is sitting in 11th place in the league. That's 20 points, 4 wins, 8 draws, and 5 losses. They did also were postponed against Watford this weekend. Prior to that, Drew Southampton beat Everton, lost to Man U, lost to Leeds. Uh, they played Norwich on Tuesday as well, so they have the same kind of like after schedule as us. Top goal scorer right now is Connor Gallagher with six, and obviously Zaha is behind him with five. Uh, Gallagher is really their biggest threat right now, but you also have to look out for James McArthur, IU. Um, last five times that we t- we've taken them on, we did lose three 0 most recently earlier this season, so we really need some revenge here. Uh, we beat them four one prior to that, and then two draws and a win going backwards all the way to 2019. Did, did you mention Jason IU as a potential goal threat? But the Jason, pl- is it in Jordan? Or Jordan? Jordan, I Jordan, yeah. Uh, but the player, he he's has two assists. He's, uh, yeah, no, the, pl- the player that scored one goal in 42 games. Mm. No, I didn't say <laughs> I don't know why you know that. I, 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 think I, I don't think I called him a goal threat. I call, called him a threat. A threat. Uh, Do he, not he, score. He is. <laughs> he, he, he also, but by he, he does have their the second podcast, most assists. Announcing well, how he's one in forty-two um, means that he's probably <laughs> just locked now because he said that. He's probably locked to have a hat trick. Um, what I would say is uh, earlier in, in the season, uh, Palace were very threatening to anybody they played, but they've recently gone completely off the boil. They've, you know, if you lose to Southampton and Everton, I mean, damn. That's, they, that's they, drew, they drew Southampton. But, yeah, but, um, you know, but mo- most teams should beat Southampton and most teams should beat Everton. The point yeah. is, like when, when, when they happen to catch us, they, they, 
if you looked at our entire season, I think you would say that Crystal Palace is the team that caught us at the exact right moment. Out yeah. of any other teams we could have played, they caught us at the exact right moment, coming off the nine points out of nine, and then we had the just international break from hell where we had there was people getting arrested on the pitch in South America with COVID nonsense and it was so insane that it was just like and then we had Hugo just play Hugo played Dyer into a like a hospital pass and got him taken off in like the first 20 minutes it, it was it was such a nightmare of a game and I, I think that we definitely are going to be the better obviously we're going to be the better side in this one but like we, I think we are smart enough to know what this game means in terms of a bit of a retribution match and I think that we're going to be on top of them from Jump Street I think we're going to absolutely take it to Palace where I think it gets into weird territory is kind of what we were talking about during Liverpool with like winks or like some of the midfield questions is Palace isn't going to come at us with that high press so it's going to be very interesting to see who we have that can break them down because I very much expect Palace to be behind the ball or to be behind the ball on this one so who who do we have that's going to be able to unlock them I don't think they're going to come at us like they did at home yeah the the home uh, being the our home fixture we're we're going to have to be a bit more clinical than we've been uh, Tommy yeah I I'm not I'll watch random Crystal Palace games just because they're on and I have the capabilities of it so Dude. I know I know I'm so bored with my life but Connor Gallagher I'm, I actually really enjoy watching him I think he's he, he'll be a fun player to, or a good player to watch for the next upcoming years but it's a shame that he's owned by Chelsea but I don't know this how Lucas said like they caught us at a really bad time I with Conte I have total trust in him I feel that we will be ready for them um, the only issue, of course, is the players that are recovering from COVID, will they be ready for Boxing Day? Um, by the looks of it, I think we should be okay um, to put out a very strong squad, um, minus Romero, of course, because he won't be back until, what, January? But I don't know. I'm just I'm ready for Boxing Day, of course, and let's, let's hope for the best and not settle for the worst. Nothing tops a Boxing Day of win, course. though. Um, well, that, well, that's the funny thing, because we seem to have started this current COVID infection thing. You know, we were the first team that seemed to be infected by it, which, you know, which means we were the first team to have games postponed. But it also means we're going to be the first team to have players back. Yeah, um, which is a good thing. And um, I yeah. apologize for that one, by the way. Like bringing COVID over there, that was my bad. I, I I'll wear that. <laughs> <laughs> that was all Lucas. I, that that was on me. Going going over to watch us play trip. Norwich, and all of a sudden we all have COVID. It's like I got tests. I kept my copies of the tests. Yeah, like, you did. You I did. knew my family was going to roast me. They're like. I knew I'd be the first one to be blamed. So. You did do the stadium tour and, and, and the skywalk, and, and I'm sure you probably infected surfaces all over the place. And I have <laughs> negative tests that I brought home for this reason. <laughs> but no, that's a great point, though, Rick. You, you guys have to do negative te- get negative tests to come go and come back, oh, right? To get, yeah, to get into Britain and to come back, you have to have negative tests. But Rick's point, though, is bang on. It's like 
because we were one of the first that kind of shut things down, we might be one of the first to come back while other teams are patching. They'll, they'll have like patchy squads saying, well, this guy's healthy, this guy's healthy, and the Premier League will deem it good enough to play. And we'll be able to say, well, we got a full squad now. So maybe this does actually come yeah. back and, and I don't, come back on this. Other, and I don't want how. to predict all wins, but like knock on wood, I mean, we got Crystal Palace, Southampton, and then Watford. These are all winnable games. So, I mean, it's very feasible to run the table on these three. Yeah, it, it, it definitely bodes well for us where we're at, and then we get those makeups that are yeah, winnable we, games. Yeah, we may have a Burnley and a Brighton yeah. in between. So, the, well. and we, with those, and then, like, once we play, you know, the heavy hitters, if we lose those, this can pad our points and still keep us within contention of the Champions League. Yeah, and, and even if, like, with when we get some of that congestion from the, these uh, postponements, um, if, if we're padding the points now, um, we, if, if we do have a match where we just get a bad run of luck and, and uh, drop some points, it's, it's not the end of the world. Well, I, I think the biggest thing for me with this Palace game is, again, it's that trust in Conti to know what does Palace do that works. It's Zaha and it's Gallagher. And even Gallagher's made a mistake if you press him. If you press Gallagher, he, he gave the ball away, which led to Southampton's goal this weekend, their second goal, the equalizer. So it's like he can make mistakes. He's not infallible because he's on loan from Chelsea. That doesn't make him a world beater. There are places where you need to understand and respect where, Cal- or where Palace can beat you. And I think I trust Conti to be able to target what their strengths are, how to neutralize those strengths, and how to exploit their weaknesses. And I think that's that's where we lost out with Nuno. And again, I'm not going to throw Nuno to the bus because that was after the craziest international break ever. But with Conti, I think we'll absolutely have the answers figured out. Conti's, are, Conti's probably thinking like six games ahead of us by now. We're talking about Palace. He's probably already on mid-March in terms of like <laughs> how he plans for teams. That's how good he is at what he does. With, with players that we don't even yeah, exactly. have now. <laughs> yeah, he's thinking about guys he wants to get and what they might do. So I think Conti's going to have it figured out knowing how to neutralize what their strengths are and exploit what their weaknesses are. And I think that that's well, why well, we're going to... Well, Palace are going to try and do to us what we did to Liverpool. That's what's going to happen. Um, and Good luck. And I, and I, and I think... <laughs> With our newfound defensive um, strength, um, I think it's three goals conceded in six games or something like that, league games. Yeah. Um, you know, with our newfound defensive strength, um, I don't think um, they're going to get much joy. Yeah, and I think you're you're, you're onto something there. Like the, like our defense has been so much more solid under Conte, and that's that's using a more aggressive attack too. So it's it's nice to see. And we're getting the best out of players like Ben Davis, who uh, like has both been very good on defense and able to combine going forward with his wing back and uh, and and move into space when he needs to, and even get into the box and some. Well, uh, well he didn't do that so much against Liverpool, but that was because he was, uh, you know, assigned a defensive role. Um, obviously, you do that against Liverpool because they're very attack attack minded, but against the Palace or uh, you know or even on West Ham you know he's going to have license to go forward yeah and and, and and that's what we might see more of in these matches Um, I think this is probably a good place to go to predictions on this one so let's uh, start again with Lucas on this I'm going to go 3-1 
Kane gets a brace. Delhi scores. Delhi gets back into goal scoring form. Will you say three one? Three one. Okay. Okay, I like it. Times two. Ali. Okay, well, Tommy, you are next up. Okay. Um, I don't know if we're going to score three goals, but I do have re- renewed hope for the defense. Um, Dyer's been anchoring the back line very well, so he's giving me hope again. Um, hopefully he'll continue this good run. Um, but I will say 2-0. I do believe that we will be able to keep a shutout. Um, and I'll just ride it out with Kane. Um, hope, Like I said, hopefully this will be... Because usually... Once Kane gets that goal in, he usually get he usually has a little bit of a streak going. So let's hope that happens. And uh, let's do Sun. Okay, uh, Rick, you're up next. Um, years ago, under Poch, um, I used to get these feelings that um, after a few you know tight results, we were due to actually give someone the hammering. And that's the feeling I get right now in the league. Six nil. Uh, yeah, we are six <laughs> nil. We are we are you know because because of the way we're playing defensively and, and you know the attack is getting better and better and better. This is going to be a game pretty soon where we're going to give someone a hammering, and I think it might be this game. So I'm going to go for <coughs> six nil. Um, I won't, I won't um, you know because we play we play a. Um, Prediction um, game between between all of us. I won't go for six different scorers, you know, because then I'll get accused of, um, you know, trying to get points. Gaming the system. Yeah, yeah, I'm gaming the system. So I'll actually go for a hurricane hat trick and a sun hat trick. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, I'm gonna. I I think Tommy, you said three one. No, I, that's Lucas. Oh, Lucas, you said three one. I I think I agree with you. I think it's a three one victory. Um, I think we're gonna get a goal from Sun. Um, I think Sessegnon is going to play this match because uh, I think Regulon will start against West Ham and then uh, maybe we're going to start seeing a rotation with this congestion fixture and since Sessegnon did so Which well. Which is a great thing that yeah. we can do that now. Yeah, so I'm going to give a goal to Sessegnon um, just because he did look so good uh, against Liverpool. Um, and I'm going to give one to uh, to Emerson Royal. I, I, think, uh, I think Royal is... Uh, um, he, he, we don't see quite as much on attack from him, but he's been solid uh, defensive, and he, he, he handles his man on the wing pretty well. well, well, um, well but well, I, I think we could see him contribute at some point. There, was, there was that incident, I don't remember if you remember in the Liverpool game, where Deli Alley did a long cross from the left-hand side to the far post, and he was aiming for Royal, um, who was the only person in the box. Uh, he was aiming for him to like head the ball into the goal. And it was only because the defender got to the ball first that he didn't get to it. So he's actually getting in the box a lot. So yeah, I think that might be a good shout. Yeah, I think he's due for one. Like, yeah. I, like I, I think he he's ready to contribute in that way. Um, and I think we might start seeing a get a few more assists from him coming up too. Um, but um, <laughs> let's move the conversation along. We have one more match to talk. We're going to make this one really fast because it's tough to get the, this far ahead of ourselves. But uh, two days after that Boxing Day match, we take on Southampton away. Uh, that's Tuesday, December 28th. They're currently 15th place in the league with uh, 17 points. That's three wins, eight draws, and six losses. They were also postponed this weekend. Prior to that, they uh, drew uh, 
Palace lost to Arsenal, drew Brighton and drew to Leicester. Um, uh, Broha and Ward Prowse and uh, uh, I'm sorry, Broha has four go- goals. Ward Prowse and Adams have three. They're probably their biggest threats right now. And then the last uh, five times we've faced them, three consecutive wins. Most recently, April 2021 was a 2-0, 2-1 victory. And then uh, so three wins, a draw, and a loss going backwards to January 2020. Um, so that's the abbreviated uh, uh, preview from me. But where are you at, Lucas? Well, I, th- I think the big thing is when you talked about Ward-Prowse, and that's somebody that we've been kind of rumored with for a few years now, but anyone that's watched him knows that's exactly somebody you'd want to have on your side. But I think the big thing is not giving – it's something that we've done really well under Conti, which is not give free kicks away in – Un, like needless free kicks away in threatening positions, which is what that's what Ward Prowse does. Ward Prowse's biggest asset is he can bang in a free kick anywhere in that final third. And it's like we've done a very good job. Guys like Ben Davis, even Sanchez have done a great job of not conceding useless free kicks, which lead to these set pieces. Because again, a team like West Ham is the same way. It's like their number one way to beat you is with set pieces, not directly going in, but via header or the chaos that results from it. Ward Prowse is that guy that can just hit you from wherever with a free kick and bang it into the top corner. And I think that, again, with Conti, I trust us to be able to neutralize their assets. And Southampton hasn't won a game since November 5th, I think it was. Oh, geez. Was their last? Yeah, I think that was their last win. So... Yeah, they've had a lot of draws. Yeah, but. they've been they haven't won a game since December or November fifth. Well, so. explain their place in the table. And it, yeah, they're what bottom like fifteen or sixteen yeah, or something. 15th. So this is a team that we have to take it to when we go there. Um, the only thing that bothers me is that it's on Tuesday after we play it on Sunday. I hate when we do that. I don't understand how. I don't understand how we don't have that played on a Wednesday or something. If both teams play Premier League on Sunday. How are both teams being asked again to play Premier League on Tuesday? Um, but it yeah, is ridiculous. It's, it's insane. And uh, just at least give us that's Wednesday. the one thing that I think could give West Ham or not West Ham, excuse me, Southampton. Like <laughs> I think that could give them a bit of the edge. But well, because they're playing at home, so at yeah, least they. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but still, I think if we go there and uh, I think if we take it to them, I think it's pretty cl- it's a pretty clear win. Like yeah. we need to just. Especially if we can get guys like Kane and Son in that like form that we saw them in yesterday, where they're finding each other again, and whether it be Delhi or Lucas or Dom, whoever wants to contribute going forward. But I think we'll have the rotation better than they will to be able to eck out the win. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Tommy. Any? Yeah. The more last thi- more I thought about it, this aside from Crystal Palace, this might be that game that Rick says where we could just batter the hell out of them. Um, yeah, we're playing at St. Mary's. But, I mean, if they haven't won a game since November, it's been a bunch of ties. November 5th. <laughs> that, that's like that's <laughs> early November. That's almost two months. And, I mean, even beca- even with the outbreaks, like, what, that's, what, five, six matches, give or take? Give or, you know? So, I don't know. Well, I guess I don't really have much thought about this game. It's pretty much what I've said before. Conte will be ready. Um, he's gonna have to juggle the system or the players somehow, whether it be subbing players off or on early. Um, 
whether it be like similar to Skip yesterday or like say if, say if we're battering Crystal Palace like 5 0. You know, after Kane gets his hat trick or whatever, you know, you're off, you know, 70th minute. We're resting you. You know, so like I said before, these gate I mean, we even though we had a bad patch under Nuno after uh, the international break, this Christmas time congestion, while it does suck because of our lack of depth, it's a very good situation to be in because we're it's all bottom of the table. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on this Southampton before we go to predictions? Yeah. Um, I, I this is the one game that worries me. You know, this is the last game of the Christmas period. Um, we've got um, West Ham is included as well. Um, it, you know, where it's away, it's a midweek game, so it's an evening game. Uh, you know, it's all set up for you know, uh, you know. Uh, like a hangover. Actually, I actually don't think it's an evening game though. Is it not? Is it like a two o'clock? Uh, is it, is it a, it's oh, it's three o'clock local time. Oh, which means <coughs> it's a night game. No, nine o'clock. Oh, our, it's oh yeah. nine o'clock yeah. here. Nine o'clock here. So okay. it's so it's not like it's, uh, it's, it's not like your seven p.m. in England. Uh, yeah, match. So, it's, so it's not a night game, but it's still a midweek game. It's the last game of the Christmas period. Well, they'll be out celebrating Hugo's birthday. Yeah, on but, after boxing well, boxing day game. Plus, again, a big thing for me though is Danny Ings now plays for Villa, not Southampton. Yeah. So we knew if Danny if. God, how many times has Danny Ings just squared one up against us for Southampton? That's always been, like, their guy. He's always found a way to get one in against us. So not having him there, I'm like, that but helps. It, that it, makes it, me feel a lot better, even it, though we're on the it, one it, day's it, rest. It, I'm like... It, it does, but it's like, it's like you know, we're, we're playing all... We're, we're not playing tough games, but we're playing a lot of games in a row, and it's like the last one where the players are going to go, you know... We just get this one, and then we can have a rest for a and week. And you had to travel up yeah. for it too. And which you makes have to travel for it as well. And you know, and Southampton, on, you know, don't have. Uh, it, it, you know, they're going to be playing the same way against every team they play. You know, they're, they're not up and down. They're not going to rotate in kids or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I think they might be very up for this game, and I think we might be just a bit fatigued for this game. That's that's my only worry. Okay, and uh, I'll actually take this and lead it into predictions. Sounds good. Cool. Um, I think though that that's going to work out for us. Is I think Conti is going to have that. He's going to have that game plan that because they are so low and they're near that relegation area. I think they kind of have their hand forced as to how they have to play at home, whereas we can. We have different ways that we can play and still oh. find the win. So I think that like. I think that actually them being where they are and being in the position that they're in is going to benefit us a little bit, and Conti's going to have that plan, and we're going to hit him on the break a few times. Yeah, because I, I was actually going to say that, or once you brought that up, I was like, that sparked a I don't want to play a team head. like Tottenham but and like, have them be on the break. <laughs> but like Ralph Hassan yeah. Huddle, or however you say his name, but like he's a product of Red Bull Leipzig, so like don't they play more attacking? Mm. Similar to like what we, they did under Pochettino, on, but they're just... They don't have the talent. So this might be the case, as Lucas said, let them have, you know, 60-plus percent uh, possession. Let And then, like, our body and, like, the team's bodies can rest and let them just attack so we don't have to go forward all the time. Or when we do go forward, we know that's the big chance. Yeah, that, that could possibly be the so, case. So, I mean, like I said, rotation, we, we don't have depth. But, like, 
or we can sub out Kane, Son, etc. Like well, seventy fifth, well, eighty minutes. This could be another way to rest. Well, that's that's the thing. I think if we're going to rest any players for any game over the period, this is going to be the okay. game. Yeah. Well, um, let's go to predictions, Lucas. First. All right. I got two one. Goal scored by Kane, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but in Dombele. Huh? Yeah, I could see him playing in this one. Uh, Tommy, what do you got? You know what? I'm going to double down on what I said, where we just score those goals on the counterattacks, and we just rest up. So because we have those reserves of energy, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I'm probably wrong, but I like to, I like to believe. So let's just say we win three nil. Um. And we'll say Kane, Son, and I don't even know. Uh, let's say Skip. Oh, good. I'd like to see a Skip goal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're they're probably going to be rare, but yeah, might as well. So I so I can't contradict myself with what I said earlier. So I'm going to go for one one uh, with a Harry Kane goal. Huh? I could see that happening, and I'm more in line with where you're at. I think this is going to be an ugly match, but I think Lucas is right that Conte will have the game plan for knowing this is the tired match. This is how we're going to approach Southampton, let them come at us, and we might look ugly at times, but I think we're going to get just squeak in one goal and get a 1-0 victory out of this one. Um, it's not going to be pretty. Um, it, it, this isn't going to give us warm, fuzzy feelings, but uh, but it's going to keep us in winning form, and uh, um, I certainly hope that at least that's what we see, if not Tommy's result. <laughs> Who scores? Uh, my goal scorer uh, has to be Son, I think. Um, Kane's just not the sure thing he once was, but we'll see if he can come back to that, and I certainly hope so. And we have to devote more time to that conversation later on. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up uh, this episode before the holiday period? Go to bed early on Christmas, and I want to see a lot of boxing here <laughs> for Boxing Day. Uh, Houston, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, just Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, let's hope 2022 is better than 2021, which was barely better than 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Slow progress. Yeah. Hey, we're Lewis, getting there. Lewis Hamilton didn't win the Formula One title, <laughs> so the Gooters can't claim that. <laughs> We're getting there. But uh, but that about wraps up the episode. Thank, so thanks so much to, to Rick, Tommy, and Lucas for being on today. Uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound. Uh, or actually, sound, Rick for sound. Uh, Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Barn Grill. Great to be recording here in person. Uh, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast. Or give us a review wherever you get podcasts. Check, find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.